And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100% And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John all right, we are back again for another edition of Weighing In. It is Josh Thompson and me, John McCarthy, along with our man behind the controls, Podcast Dave. This is Weighing In. If you are watching, tell someone about us. Get them to subscribe. And they can watch us on YouTube, Google Podcasts, Apple iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and as I always say, a plethora of other podcasting platforms. Make sure that you bring someone into the wealth of knowledge and wonderfulness that we bring to the world of MMA. <laughs> so have them subscribe. Give us a thumbs up if you want to catch the contest that Josh and I are having when it comes to t-shirts for our weighing in. They can go to ProWrestlingTees.com. Go ahead and put in weighing in. When you look, you're going to have all these different shirts and everything. But if you want to be on Josh's team, you're going to go to the blue corner since he's the blue side. I'm yeah. the red corner. The red yeah. side. That boo, contest boo. ends October. <laughs> excuse me, August 31st. When you go to that, if you are going to buy something, use the code word underdog, and that will give you 20% off. So contest is almost up. We're going to have a winner. We're going to see who's going to be. We'll send you an autographed T-shirt and maybe some other stuff. You never. Know. You are gonna have a winner. Yes, a <laughs> winner. Winner, winner, winner. I want to say, last winner. time I looked, John was slightly ahead. So slightly ahead. Slightly, just slightly. Look at you're all excited, man. You're feeling. You're feeling like they're. You're, they're you're I have a chance. Like, you're like you're, you're almost like James Jim Carrey. So you're just saying there's a chance. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Very oh, good. Oh man. How you been, man? I haven't talked good, to you man. since last week. We talked a little bit yesterday on the phone, but I mean, I haven't talked to you since last week. Doing good, man. Just taking care of all kinds of business. Would you say that we are probably the best MMA podcast out there? No, I wouldn't say that we are probably the best MMA you podcast. You would say we are there. the best? Absolutely. <laughs> I was going to say You're that. You're going to fucking say something. Go all the way. Yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like if we're talking just MMA, yeah, I I don't know. I don't really know. I know there's a couple other good shows that talk about MMA for sure. Well, there are. Here's the thing. And this is where you get into the whole, oh, you know, it's MMA or it's the UFC. Look, at, we talk about the UFC because it's a major promotion and it's got great fights. Yep. But we talk about 1FC. We talk about Bellator. We talk about PFL. We talk about LFA. We talk about MMA. We don't talk about just one promotion because... One promotion doesn't make up MMA, you know, and that's a lot of the other ones I hear. They really talk about just one promotion and that's too bad because they're missing out mm -hmm. on an incredible world that is out there of guys fighting. And then all of a sudden, finally, they'll make it maybe to the UFC and they'll go, oh, this guy's fantastic. And we've been talking about him for a long time. You know what is funny? Someone brought this up to me yesterday. I don't know what I was doing. Someone sent me over a text and i was like scrolling through i'm like gosh i guess apparently a lot of the fighters that came that basically will probably be inducted into the hall of fame are already kind of into the hall of fame a lot of them have uh, i shouldn't say hall of fame they're like ufc's these, hall of fame yeah like ufc's like hall of fame or you are like okay. the top guys that they've all had 
at some point in time or that was found there uh the fighters that were founded were founded by scott coker i think they were talking like amanda nunez ronda rousey like they were breaking them all down they were like cain velasquez his first fight was in in was with scott coker at the in strike force i mean i'm look i'm not trying to i'm just simply saying like it's kind of weird when i started when they started listing off all these names i was like wow that's that's really impressive like a lot of fighters that I was unaware of that had fought for Coker that are even now that are still like doing really well in the UFC. And this was years and years ago. I mean, you look at your code, look at your, you know, Robbie was with the UFC, got cut by the UFC, went yeah. to, uh, actually went to elite XC first and then went to strike force and then went back to the UFC. But you know, uh, Anthony Smith, you know, he wasn't, yeah. he was there. Yep. He was there long ago and stuff. A lot of guys. Yeah. I, I feel like, um, <clears throat> You know, like there was an era of guys that the UFC had cut and then they had went over to a couple of them fought in pride. Like Robbie had fought in pride. A couple other guys yep. had fought in pride and then they made their way over to strike force and then their careers basically were rejuvenated, you know, um, Fabricio Verdum, Robbie Lawler, um, you know, some other guys had some, some pretty good fights in, in that were in the UFC then came over to strike force and had some good fights. Uh, who else was it? Like, I think Scott Smith, Paul Daly, Nick Diaz, Nick, Nick Diaz, of course, how they missed that. But like Nate Diaz started his career, I think was in, was in strike force. He had his fight, his first or second fight in uh, his, no, he didn't have his first or second fight, but he had, he had his, in a big promotion was with strike force. That was his first, his, uh, one of his first fights. So, I mean, but there was a lot of guys that were that I didn't even realize. And like, I didn't even, until I saw the, the replays of Anthony tonight, Anthony Smith, I didn't know he fought oh in strike God. force. Yeah. Oh, there oh, were yeah. so many guys. I mean, that, there were so many fights. I just, man, I don't, I, I got to tell you, I don't know how you remember all these guys, but, but like you had broke it down to me before you refed a lot of these guys as fights. Me, yep. I don't see them because I'm probably in the back warming up or I'm not paying attention or, or I'm not fighting on that card. That's, you know, in Columbus, Ohio. You know, I'm at home, you know, and I'm not watching the prelims or I'm not watching the first fight of the night. I'm watching just the main card, you know, and so. Makes a difference. It makes, it, yeah, it makes a huge difference. I mean, I like to blame yeah. CTE, but you, you know, that's <laughs> not, it. not it. <laughs> you know, I think what it is, is as, as, I, as you're coming up as an athlete, you're not really paying attention to all the other fighters that are around you, except for the ones that are in your weight class or ones. No, that you're, 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 you're paying attention to the ones that you could possibly be fighting yeah. because that's all that makes a difference to you. And that's yeah. okay. I mean, you, look, Yoel Romero came from Strike Force. That was another guy. Yep. Uh, you yep. know, obviously, I can go on with like all the AKA guys, of course, with Rockhold and and DC and those guys. But right, I'm saying, you got those, those guys. You got Jacare. You yeah. got Tim Kennedy. You got a bunch of guys. Yeah, Pete uh, Pat Healy also came from Strike Force. He was good. Yeah. Remember, he beat Jim Miller when Jim Miller was like on the rise. That was a oh, that was a horrible. I felt so bad for him. He won submission of the night, fight of the night, and. And plus he won, and then he tested positive for marijuana. He lost like a dollars yep, in fucking bonuses. Yep. Oh, Horrible. I felt so bad for him, man. For marijuana. For marijuana. Which, again, I look at that, and it's just, it's so ridiculous. You know, you, you've had a couple of guys, you know, Nick Diaz has been caught so many times, you know, and they, they took years off of his career, but you know, he's, he's done that himself too, but just, I always, I'm mystified by it. And, I, and I've told athletic commissions, I don't know how many times. Look, I've gotten in a lot of fights in my life. And when I was a police officer, I had a lot of people wanted to kick my ass. And a lot of people on, you know, alcohol, other drugs, not one on marijuana. Yeah. <laughs> not one. Okay. Just not one. 
Never did I have someone high on marijuana that wanted to whoop my ass. That's so funny. Okay, so if you're going to tell me it's performance enhancing, I'm sorry. I just do not agree. Yeah. With that. It's, funny. it's funny that you say that. That's hilarious. That's just true. the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's flat out truth. That's funny. We'll get someone in the comments saying, not true. I had a guy that attacked me after smoking a huge fucking blunt. <laughs> <laughs> sure buddy sure you probably uh -huh. started it and instigated it and then you uh. probably tried to run away and you caught him <laughs> oh geez man uh all right well let's get into these fights what do you think of the card overall let's talk about the card overall first yeah you know it's all right it's all right yeah it's just you know it's not wasn't great and and part of it was the matchups just sometimes matchups just as the matchmaker you're you're thinking it's going to be an exciting fight the the main event Man, you know, I, I hate saying Rasek's Rakic. 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 I hate saying his name because I screwed up. Alexander Rakic. But, man, he looked good. His, dude, you talk about a, a low calf kick that yeah. was hard, and you could see the damage it did. I, and just when he when he knocked him down, I was like, I'm like, get up. Yeah. Don't stay down there. Make him get up. But, you know, that's you know, that's as you know, how tough Anthony Smith is. He doesn't give up. But. You know, Rakic looks great, man. He, he's, dude, he's strong. You can see it. His legs are strong. His hips and everything, man. He's a, he's a load. Yeah. At six foot four, because he's at least six foot four. And, man, he doesn't have an ounce of freaking fat on him. And he's, he's long. He hits hard. He kicks hard. His grappling seems to be, you know, getting better because Anthony's grappling has gotten pretty damn good lately for MMA, especially. And he had no problem with anything Anthony was trying to, to do. So he looked really good. I was impressed by him again. Uh, yeah, I was, I was actually really impressed by him. I got to be 100% honest with all you guys. I had never really even heard of him until this whole fight was announced. <laughs> I've never heard of this guy until this fight was announced. And I was like, right, really? So, yeah, never. <clears throat> and He's I, good. And I, yeah, I didn't realize how good he was until I watched his fight. And those first couple of leg kicks, I was like, ooh, this is not going to go well for Anthony. But then Anthony impressed me when he was able to jump to the back right away. And I was like, all right, good. You're going to have some. But then he got slid off. And that was still kind of when they were dry a little bit when he got up onto the back. And uh, he finally worked his way up there. But it just, to me, I felt like he was fighting from behind from the very beginning. Swimming upstream. <clears throat> and what it was, it looked like just like you were just talking about a second ago. The physical stature of Rakic is just huge. His legs, you you look at guys, right? Like I, I'll give you an example. I look at Khabib. He maybe doesn't look big, but his no, bone, his, his bone density and things about him just physically looks big. Like his forearms are big, his wrists are big, his ankles are big. His like back is big. Yeah. And I'm like, man. His back goes for his back goes from under his arms to his freaking waist. Yeah, you're looking at his lap. You're talking about Khabib, you're going, correct? Jesus Christ! Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like with Khabib, and now with Rakic, though, when I'm looking at him, when the two of them were grappling, I was like, he just his calves and everything about his. He goes from his calf to his knee to his quad. I was like, he is very thick bone density, and though you could tell right off the bat with those first couple leg kicks, they had a huge effect on him. He is solid. He's just a big, strong. Yeah. And he's fast. Yeah. He's got speed. He's quick. So he's he looked really good. I you know, you you're looking at uh Reyes and uh Jan get that light heavyweight title fight. They better look out. This guy's yeah. gonna be right there and he's gonna be a load for him. So whoever wins, congratulations. 
And now you get to face that monster. Yeah, so he's tough. Does Glover go before this guy? Because this guy, this guy's he's uh, ranked now. I think after tonight, he's going to only be ranked 13 or 12 or something like that. Because I think Anthony was. What was Anthony ranked? Because he dropped a lot after the Glover fight. I want to say he was like ranked number 14 or something. Well, is, does that make him what? 13 and 2 or 14 and 2? Uh, 13 and 2. 13 and 2? Yeah. So, you know. He may he may uh, have one more that you know he has to do or two. Well, he more lost to Vulcan. He so. lost to Vulcan Ozdemir. Yeah, yeah, I know. A split but decision. It's matter. Exactly. That's you take a look at you know who he's beaten and how he's beaten him. A lot of his you know look at yeah. you know, when he fought Jimmy Manoa. That yeah. freaking knockout was huge. Yeah, you know he starched Manoa, and and so he, you you want guys and and this was the problem that I saw with Rakic in this fight tonight. There were moments that he could have done things as far as fighter IQ that would have been very smart. And instead, he didn't do those things. He maintained position and stayed safe and just won the rounds, and that's okay. But these are your chances to put guys, you know, you don't you don't put Anthony Smith away. Yeah. He's a tough dude, man. He's been a tough dude his whole career. You know, so if you can put him away, that's saying a lot. And when you get that opportunity, you got to be smart and say, oh, I've got him hurt. He went to the ground off of those leg kicks. I want to make him stand back up on those legs so I can hit it again. Don't play into what he wants to do. Fight the way you want to fight. But other than that, I mean, I, that, that, if, if that's a criticism and it's not, you know, it's a minor criticism, he looked really good. Yeah, I think Rackett just, I think he felt the, maybe the power wasn't the same. Like when they got on the ground, I think he physically felt danger of the strength of Anthony Smith. Anthony's yep. strong, physically strong, tough, but you could just tell, that, like I said, the stature between the two of them, he was just a lot bigger than Anthony. I mean, I they, were, they said they were the same height. I was like, there's, it didn't seem like it when they were standing face to face. Like Paul Felder said, I, it says these guys are the same height, but they don't look it. They don't look, and they didn't look it on TV either. You know, Rackett looked a lot bigger than Anthony Smith. My thing is, is Anthony coming off of, of, you know, a pretty nasty fight with Glover Teixeira and the confidence probably not being what it should have been and then having a fight like this and losing this one. He kind of, I think, needs to go back to the drawing board and regroup, refocus. Look, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm no way am I going to knock him. I just feel like when I watched his intro, when they were doing the, he's spending a ton of time with family. He's doing, you know, and he's a real family man. He's with his wife and his kids. And it, I love seeing that type of stuff. But I also see sometimes too fighters that get comfortable with, with being in that lifestyle. And it's hard. I got to tell you, I have friends, man. There, It's hard for them to say goodbye to their kids to go train every single yeah, time they need to. It's hard for them to go and travel somewhere else to go and train. That's why a lot of fighters get away from all that to go somewhere else. Now, I don't know if he travels or if he stays where he needs to be uh, for his camps. But he just seems like a really, really good person. He you is. know, and great guy. I, I could, t I, I get the feeling and the vibe that it's like he loves being with his wife. He loves being with his kids, and that I think now he said like the kids are getting older. He's finally gotten into this. Like this is how I want to be, and it's maybe it's a different, maybe it's a mindset, maybe it's something I don't know. And I'm only, I'm only saying this because he's coming off two losses. If he hit, if he was having two wins, I wouldn't be talking. I wouldn't be saying shit. <laughs> I'd be like, hey, you know, but. I can I can say that I've seen fighters that after they've had kids, their demeanor changes, the way they train in the room changes, the way that they approach fights changes, everything changes. And so 
I hope I hope this is a short lived um loss like a losing streak for him. You know, because I really enjoy watching him fight. He's got to get away from that being comfortable on the ground, on his back. Like, he's okay with being in the guard. It, there's that. And then also, too, he's okay with being, like, on all fours, kind of like in a huddle position where he's just covering him and not taking damage with loose control. No, no, no. You always have to be trying to get up. Always making the guy work to hold you down. He made the mistake with Glover, and Glover made him pay. And Rackett didn't really put a whole lot of pressure on him when he was doing it with a lot of the ground and pound, but he could have, you know, and Anthony needs to focus on just standing up, standing up and getting back up to his feet. And he just didn't do that. There was opportunities for him to get back to his feet. And it, he never, he never capitalized on making him work, making Rackett work for it. So I don't know if that's a mindset. And that, that really just kind of takes me right into the Robbie Lawler fight as well. Cause the same type of thing, it was the same type of thing. But the thing is the difference between him and Robbie is Robbie has been there and done that. Robbie's the champion, fought plenty of five-round fights. Robbie has been the best in almost almost every organization there has ever been. I think also, too, at this stage in his career where he's kind of dropping in the rankings now, he, I think he's you can just tell the frustration levels. not It starts setting in the fight. It just There's no sense of urgency. It's just like, okay. It's almost like just accepting that it's not going your way and now you're frustrated and you're just mad more at yourself than you are at the actual situation. You're mad at like, God, man, this sucks. Why am I here? But I get that vibe and that feeling from him a little bit. And I think that's what, four? Is that four or five in a row? That's four. Uh, it's at least four in a row. Yeah, it's four in a row. He beat Donald Cerrone, but then he lost the title. Woodley, when he lost the title. That's when he lost the title. But well, no, Cerrone was after. He lost yeah, yeah. So he went Sorry. Woodley, okay. and then it went. He beat Cerrone, and then it went four in a row. He lost to Dos Anjos, Ben Asker, and Colby Covington, and then uh, he didn't lose to Ben. Sorry. That's <laughs> <laughs> just well. Sorry. You know what I mean. Nope. So okay. Sorry. <laughs> so so this, but this this for me with with the with Robbie the title fight after you've been the champion for a while and you've he's done it for so long. I mean, we both got signed at the same time from that whole Shogun fight camp in Hawaii, whatever it was, you know, we had a card out there and that's how long he's been doing this. I mean, that was in 38 years old. Yeah. He's 39. Is he 38? 38. 38, man. It's like, he says he still has more left in the tank, which I think he does, but do you, but do you want it? That's the thing. Like, I think he's got it if he wants it, but if he doesn't want it, then I think, I think he needs to stop. That's just my opinion. I look at it this way and I love Robbie and I, like I was able, I was lucky enough. I probably did 12 to 13 of Robbie's fights, you know, some really fantastic fights, oh, man. you know, one of the best fights ever him against him, you know, him and Rory McDonald, you know, fight he had against Matt Brown. That was outstanding. Just so many great fights. His Aaron Riley you fight. Know. Remember Aaron him? Riley was a great fight. You know, then he did Steve Berger. He was, in fact, you know, that was when Dana was trying to sell Robbie you know, at 37.5 USC yeah. when they did it at the Bellagio for yep. the best damn sports shows. Yep. Robbie was, even though Chuck and Vitor were the main event, the main event for the best damn sports show at the time yep. was Robbie Lawler versus Steve Berger, uh, you know? And so uh, Robbie's, he's had that, you know, I, I had him when he, you know, he lost to Pete Spratt and he had the hip injury and you know, all kinds of different things. And he had a, you know, I think the fight after that was Evan Tanner and things were going bad for him. And that's when the UFC kind of let him go. But he's, uh, there's, it just comes down to this. 
there's levels to this game. You know that. Yeah. And there comes a point when your best is not going to be enough to fight at that supreme level. Neil, you know, Neil Magny is, I love him as a fight fighter and I think he's fantastic. He's got an incredible gas tank. He brings a huge pace. He doesn't have a ton of power, but man, he just puts volume out there as far as the way he goes after the fight. His ground game is fantastic. He's just a well-rounded fighter. But going into this, my wife, who's, you know, she's known Robbie forever and loves Robbie. And so, and she's, she knows he's fighting and she wants to watch him fight. And she goes, you know, you know, he's a favorite in this. Right. And I go, shouldn't be if he is. And I think they had Robbie as the favorite over Neil. I go, man, someone hates Neil Magny, and they do not give that guy credit because he's fantastic. No, I think it was Neil. I think Neil was was negative 280, I think is what Okay, there you go. He should have been. Yeah. So, because I know Neil was the underdog uh, when he fought Xi Lang from China or whatever. Mm -hmm. I I can't say his name, but he was an underdog, and it's like no one gives the guy credit. He's fantastic, and I, I just... Obviously, Robbie's got that one-punch ability, and he's got a puncher's chance. But you don't have a puncher's chance when you don't throw. Yeah. And when you you start to limit your game, and this is where I, I tell guys all the time, and you know, it's you become comfortable with things. But the more it, it's MMA, and if you start to limit what offensive tools you use, you are making life easier for your opponent. And Robbie has become a guy that is a boxer for the most part in MMA. He's looking to land a big freaking left hand, straight left hand or a right hook. That's what he's looking to land every now and then, you know, he hardly threw any kicks until the very, you know, the last round, you know, he starts, you know, launching the head kicks, but those were, you know, that was past the time that the fight was over really. And so you're limiting who you are and what you can do now. He did try to go for the takedown in the beginning, and I thought I was thinking to myself, that's probably not a good idea. No. But you know, it's okay. At least you you know, make the guy have to think about it, defend it. But then when you get stuck underneath and you see, you know, you see Magnin, he's he's ratcheting in, trying to get that Darce choke set, and you see Robbie's head going down, and then there's that chance that when Neil takes those hands apart and you Robbie can bring his head high, he doesn't, he sits there. And he starts playing this waiting game like, I can just let the five minutes go. Yeah. And you can't do that, man. You, you've got to go. And then when Neil gets his back and he's sitting there and he's defending well and he's very calm and he's relaxed, but you're not trying to get out, just like you were talking about with Anthony Smith. You've got to have some urgency in this to say, I cannot stay here with this guy on my back. Yes, I can make it to where he's not submitting me, but you're going to lose the round and you're yeah. going to lose this fight. You've got to, at a certain point, say, I've got to step on the gas. I got to go. And from what I'm seeing, I just don't see it there anymore. I, he has lost that little bit of speed, that little bit of explosiveness that made it to where he was dangerous. Because even when he was in trouble, he could snap and that explosiveness could come forward and he could land a shot that hurt you and all of a sudden you're out of the fight. I just don't see it the same anymore. No. That explosiveness is gone. And that, you know, that comes sometimes with age and stuff. And I love Robbie. But, you know, when you are looking at a guy that, you know, 
has done what he's done and what the UFC is now paying him stuff, they're not going to give him chumps. No. You know, and I, I don't know if he, you know, if he would even want to fight those chumps. He's got to fight someone that I think that, you know, at least makes him like, okay, it, it, it has some kind of meaning to me. The guy, he's one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to. Sp- I, I want to talk more about the Robbie situation, but I want to also give due to Neil Magny because, like you oh, said, yeah. all we Fantastic. all people do is count him out every time. Every time he fights, you and I on this show talk about how good he is because he's phenomenal. And I have caught myself several times saying, "No, he's going to lose that fight," and then he goes out there and wins. And I'm like, huh? oh, "Wow, where did this guy come from?" You know, and like and every single time he has a great performance, good game plan, he executes his game plan. He uses his length and his range. Sometimes the first round doesn't go his way because you can tell he's not a powerful guy. He's not no. someone that uses a lot of power in everything he does. But he changed things together really well. He'll hit you with a stiff jab, go to the head kick right after that, then finish with a push kick. That keeps you guessing where everything is. He puts his combinations together very well. And as you saw tonight. And he's got that, that he's got that annoying tennis thing of like girls when they hit the tennis racket and you ha, ha. And he's always <laughs> every shot. And after a while, it's like, just shut up. You can hit me. Don't talk to me while you're doing it. <laughs> Think, things that I don't notice, obviously, John does. <laughs> I was like, he's, he's, he's always making the sound when he hits. And that's like, it's going to intensify that power that he has. He doesn't have power. But man, he's got volume and he definitely puts volume out there. Yeah, he just keeps continuously to dish it out, continuously dishes it out. And by the second and the third round, you're just you're on your bike or you're trying to slip punches and occasionally uh, they slip through. And when they slip through, they're touching you and it's making you more tired as you go on. He just keeps going and going and going. And um, what I like tonight that he did that was I was very impressed with is he understood. And I'm surprised more people haven't capitalized on this against Robbie Lawler is that Robbie has never learned how to like technically stop being from the clinch from being need. All he's ever done really is he's just buckled in and kind of blocked with his arms. And I think he's trying to punch his way out or push on the face on the way out, but he's never really like learned how to actually get out of that clinch position. And he's been doing it his whole career. You know, I've recall from strike force days of him doing that. And I'm thinking to myself, how has someone not fixed this? You know I mean? As a coach, I mean, how have you not tried to fix this? I mean, somebody with his power and his ability to throw elbows. I mean, he's nasty. Good. But Neil Magny had a great game plan in as he saw as you saw today. He can grapple. You know, he was able to get the takedown when he got the takedown. He has good positioning. I liked what he was doing. It looked like he was trying to set up that Darce, like you were saying, but he was all there was also some availability there for that Japanese necktie if he wanted to sit off on it and also hook the leg. So there was a lot of things that were involved in that one position because of his length and his range. You got to be very careful for. But I didn't I've I'd get concerned with guys like Anthony Smith and guys like Robbie Lawler who get comfortable just hanging out down there because they know they're not going to take too much damage and the submission. Sure. The threats there, but if you can just hang out, like you said, you're losing the round and in a three round fight, you can't afford to lose a round. You can't afford to lose two and a half minutes of any round, you know, and Robbie, I think over the years has gotten comfortable with just like, Hey, I can just wait it out, whatever. And I'll get you when I get on my feet. But tonight he looked a lot slower. He did so only yep. like you said, he wasn't there was no output whatsoever. It was only like, you know, let's say he threw 15, 20 punches around, if that. You oh, know, and, and I don't even think he threw that. Yeah, I don't think he did either. I just uh, 
you know, I mean, I'm throwing it out there, but that's not a lot of punches in a round. You know what I mean? You, so you, you, you can go back and watch his fight with Colby Covington. Didn't throw. Yeah. You know, it's like you can't win if you don't throw. If that's your way of winning and you don't do it, you're not going to win. Yeah. Well, it was the same thing again tonight. You know, and it, it just keeps happening. And then when something keeps happening, there's a reason behind it. And what whatever it is, I I look at it and I go, hey, father time starts to take away things from everyone. And it's at different times and stuff. And, and you know, the toughest weight classes to keep yourself in that upper echelon. Yeah. Lightweight and welterweight. No doubt about it. Because that's where you get the glut of good athletes, average size guys, you know, you just you have a glut of them and man when you start to lose the speed to compete then you start waiting more because you want to be sure that you're accurate when you hit and when you wait bad things happen because yeah. you're just not making things happen and then you just keep waiting you keep waiting to the point where the fight's over and you've thrown let's say you've thrown you know 30 punches the entire fight 30 punches in 15 minutes. That's one every 30 seconds. That's a lot of standing around. I just feel like he's been through this phase before, and I feel like he could potentially come back if he wants to. Because when he fought um, Melvin Manoff in Strike Force, and when he fought a couple other guys in Strike Force, he kind of went through that phase of just stalking after people and just loading up and throwing ones and two. Today was not that, though. Today was just he was waiting for the fight yeah. to happen and then trying to counter. But you can't counter someone who's longer and faster. You know, and it's hard to get in and get the reach. I mean, he was having a hard time closing the distance. He couldn't get inside that phone booth at all. The fucking door was locked. So, yeah, well, when he was at Strike Force, he was at 185. Yes. And he was fighting. You, you take a look, and he fought Baba Lou and just, you know, had his moments where he looked okay, but eh, Tim Kennedy didn't look good. Lorenz Larkin just got lit up because he was waiting, waiting, waiting. Yeah. Lorenz Larkin's just lighting him up. And so that was a different time because he still had speed. It was really, in my opinion, what he was doing to get himself ready for the fight. Yeah. He was living off of the athleticism that he, that he brought and he wasn't, he wasn't honing it. He wasn't shining it. He wasn't taking it, bringing it to that next level. Then he went back and he started doing those things with the right people and getting good training and good training partners. And it brought him to that point where, yeah, now you're back where you belong. Now I, I think he's training hard. I think he's good. He's with the right people. Yeah. It's just that when he gets into the cage, he's waiting for that perfect moment. And that perfect moment is not going to come. Yeah, especially in a three-round fight. Can't wait for him. No. Um, the next fight was uh Lamas and this other. Oh no, it was uh Grasso. Was it? it was Grasso? Yeah, Gra Grasso and Kim. Yeah, that that's was, a good fight. It was. That was my favorite fight. fight of the card. Was it? That that one. That one in Lamas. La I thought yep. Lamas was. I thought the Lamas fight was pretty good. Yep. Um, Alexa Grasso, right? And uh, what was the other girl's name? I knew her last name was Kim. Ji Young Kim. Ji Young Kim. Um, what I'm gonna say here is. Alexa Grosso was way faster, way tighter with her technique. Everything she did was very impressive. She moved her head just enough outside of being hit, and she got off no matter what. Even when Kim landed something, she threw right back and made Kim pay for it. I was thoroughly impressed with her performance tonight, Grosso's I was, performance. 
thoroughly impressed with her after the first round. Yeah. <laughs> because she changed her game plan and, yeah. and did exactly what you're saying. Because the first round, she went out there and thought she was going to lay heavy shots on someone and starch them. And she was getting lit up for a little yeah. bit there and changed her approach. And I, I give her nothing but credit because it was that change in the way she was able to say, okay, plan B, we're going to do this a different way. That's what got her the win, and she looked fantastic doing it. Kim's got one hell of a chin on her. She does. Jeez. She took some big shots. I was they, like, both, they both took big shots in that fight. I know, was like, throughout holy the entire thing. shit. She's taking some yeah. shots. Anyways, it was to me, it was a very good fight. It, was, it was, wasn't as contested, after, like you said, after the first round. Yeah. I thought Alexa Grosso ran away with it after ran that. Ran away the second, third Touching round. her and touching her and touching yep. her. And then Kim got fell into the Robbie Lawler syndrome where she was just trying to land the one or two big shots to get her out of there. And just by then, it was too late. Um, I'm surprised that Kim didn't try to like throw the combinations more or use her legs more. She didn't use a whole lot of her kicks using uh, with her length and her range. I'm surprised she didn't use more push kicks or more, you know, head kicks or something like that to kind of keep Alexa Grosso honest with her hands to her face. She was on point. I've tried every time I work with a young fighter, I tell him like everything leaves faster from your chin. So, and I know everyone wants to be Floyd Mayweather, you know, they want to have their hands down. They want to do all that. I get it. I understand. Okay. You know, they all want to try to look pretty, but the problem is though, is that defensively it doesn't work as well. And offensively also, it takes a lot longer to get there. So if you're not a fast fighter, like Floyd Mayweather is, okay, you then go. you're going to have a very hard time landing clean shots without getting countered. And, uh, you know, and the guy that fought Lamas, uh, they go, anyways, I'll, I'll, I'll anyways, that guy, he likes to fight with his hands down. He's also very, very long and a lot longer than Lamas was. So when you're talking about in terms of like with Kim, she should have used that length and that range to her advantage and she never did. And every time she stepped in, she tried to land the one shot. She loaded up so much or she threw so hard. She left herself in that position. And, and Alexa Grosso just, she threw two and three punches right after that. And she landed and landed clean. Very nice job on the footwork as well. It's hard to stay on your bike that long and not get tired. She looked phenomenal. Um, I think she she might be better at this weight class. We'll see. I mean, this goes back to Definitely your- Definitely better. This goes back to your argument that cutting weight Go ahead. Is, is, Go ahead. Uh, is not good, not beneficial. But I think it also is, I think it's different for each weight class. It's hard. It's hard for guys to. It's hard for people to give up. She's only given. She had to give up ten pounds. I get it. So she's up to the ten pound mark. But for people that go from one fifteen to one, or sorry, one fifty five to one seventy to one twenty five. Yeah. <laughs> from from one fifty five to one seventy, that's a big jump from one seventy sure to one eighty five. That's a big You're jump, right. and those guys are huge. So, like I said, if we had weight classes every ten pounds, I'd be like, why are you fucking cutting weight? Like, I, you know, like it's just, I have no idea why. You know, so. For me, I always felt good at 155. I probably would have never have fought at one, 170, even though I walked around at 170. I would have never have fought at 170. But I mean, I understand guys that have full, like bigger body, bigger figure bodies. Like, you know, Donald Cerrone is what, 6'1? You know, yep. may, maybe a little bit taller, six. I think he's 6'1 though. But he's thick bone, like we were talking about with Rackett. He, he's got thick calves, thick legs. I mean, like Cerrone's Big thick legs. bone. Like he's bone density is huge. You know, so I mean, the rest of, like, there's guys that could do that. I was never one of them. So, you know, I mean, like, I, I mean, the guy I want to remind people, I, I cut down to 143 to fight Kid Yamamoto in two weeks. So <laughs> it was on a two week <laughs> notice fight. So that's, I, I can get, I could, could have got down to, to 40, you know, to 45 if I wanted to. Just you never, did. Never got to 43. Yeah. Never just, des <laughs> never desired to do that ever again. But I think she's found a good weight class for her. 
I don't, she's not going to become champion at that weight class as long as uh, Shevchenko was in there around and still alive. Um, I don't so know. So who is? I, her, Shevchenko is going to be the champion for a long, long, long time. So let's be That's honest. it. That's it. Yeah. I mean, but it does make for a fun. I think it does. Once she becomes, once she gets into her own, she's 27 now. I feel like that kind of could be her prime, you know, maybe get into that 27 to 31 age. You know, I think it's for, for the women in fighting could be their prime. Maybe maybe a little bit older as well, thirty two. Um, I think she will do well. I don't know how old uh, Shevchenko is. Maybe she will um, re- like old person out. Alexa <laughs> Grasso, old person out. You mean retired? She retired. There you go. <laughs> maybe Father Time will catch her. Uh, you know, but I'm saying, but Alexa Grasso, she's young, man. Alexa Grasso is young. So I mean, but I I like stylistically if she matures, I think a little bit more as a fighter. I'm not saying she's going to beat Shevchenko, but it would be a fun fight. If she matures a little bit more, she's going to need more maturing. But yeah, but you know, it's the kind of fight that she had tonight that tells you, yeah, you're right. She could be someone as you look going on in the future that could face Chevchenko and give her a good fight. Yeah. I'm not saying I, I think she's going to beat her, but she could give her a good fight because she showed that she has the technical ability to do a variety of different things, to approach a fight differently. To go in and think that, you know what, I'm going to start to steamroll this person. Oh, that's not working. Well, let me start to use movement. Let me use angles. Let me use combinations. Let me just keep on touch, touch, touching my opponent and put the volume on him. And that's what she did. And that says a lot about her fight IQ and her abilities as a fighter. She can change it up. She can do things different. So, you know, the, the, thing, the thing about Chevchenko, though, is she's so good on the feet. Yeah. But her ground game is I was just gonna say that. supremely underrated. Yeah. I mean, completely underrated. She's good on the ground because you watch the way she approaches what she does when she's on the ground. And you go, someone taught her right because yeah. she's got it. She understands how to position. She understands just the base and the balance and where to put pressure because not everyone does. And yeah. that's what controls your opponent and makes them work hard while you don't have to. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think uh, it'd be interesting. Who's in her weight? Who's out, who else is in her division of oh, these girls oh, here? Yeah, this is 25. Okay, so that that put her in the top 15 because the girl Kim was, I think, number 14. 14. So okay. that would put her in that, you know, I guess 14 probably, 14, 12, 13, 14, somewhere there. Yeah. So. Um, you can take a look at all those girls. Okay. All of them, and I, you know, I love Roxy Montefiore. Doesn't stand a chance against Shevchenko. You know, yeah. Araujo, no. Lee, no. Alexis Davis, no. Sorry, I mean it's just. Yeah. Lauren Murphy, I love her. Tough girl, awesome person. Doesn't have the speed she needs for Shevchenko. Got a great ground game, but you know, and Cynthia Cavio, she's good. She's really good on the ground. Yeah. But she's not good enough on the ground to stay with Jeff Chenko. Yeah, she she it's just start, she's been not she, going to work for her. She's been training at AKA now, but she obviously during the COVID stuff, so she hasn't been there as much. But she was training a little bit there beforehand. So we'll Caitlin see. Caitlin Chikugian, she's already she's already faced Jeff Chenko, and look yeah. at what happened. Yeah. Uh, but where does Ale- where does Alexa Grosso fit into there for you in that ah. in those positions? I would say that Alexa Grasso right now would move up somewhere. Right along the the level of Andrea Lee or Macy Barber, right in there. Somewhere I think she's that she's that level of fighter. Alexa Davis kind of era area. Yep. Yeah. Okay. 
Good deal. Yeah, I'm mean, like I'm interested to see where she goes from here at 27 years old. And there's been there was some, there was a lot of hype around her early in her career. I think didn't she beat Cynthia Cavillo? Um, I don't know. Or did Cynthia Alexa Cavillo? Beat, yeah, I think Cynthia either they I think fought. So. I think Cynthia fought. beat her. Cynthia beat her. They never fought. Oh man! When when, when Alexa did. when Alexis came in from Invicta, she had a big fight <laughs> at Invicta that was the day before day before the ufc i can't remember which one it was and dana went to that fight and that's when he signed her uh, and she she just put on a great performance but uh she i truly believe that the weight cut because she was not only was she doing a weight cut she was doing it to the point she couldn't even make the weight yeah and she was killing herself trying to make it and then you could see her performance lack and if she had made that same weight cut for this fight she would have died off in the end of that second round, third round, she would have not had the ability to be on, you know, the movement that she was using that was making her successful in the fight. Yeah. So it's just the difference. Well, her teammate went through the same thing who trains, who fights for Bellator, Alejandro Lara. Yeah. She went yep. through the same thing. She was cutting down, cutting down to 25. And she just was like, look, I feel more comfortable at 35. So we've been fighting her at 35. And she, and she looks great there. And she looks phenomenal there. She's been, she's looked a lot better. I feel like at that weight class. Yep. Um, problem is we don't have that weight class. <laughs> so that's the problem. It goes 25 to 45. So, but I mean, like, that's what I like about Bellator is there's no reason for the fighters to continuously try to make cut the weight. If two fighters can agree on, hey, instead of fighting at 55 or fighting at 25, let's fight at 35. And uh, we're both okay with that. I think that makes sense. I think it's kind of okay. Nice. So, since you're talking about women's MMA and we don't have that weight class. What do what do you take of the fact that the UFC is going to have Amanda Nunez against Megan Anderson, and Megan Anderson is on her last fight of her contract? Yeah. What do you mean? What do I take away with it? Well, if she well, wins, in my opinion, okay, she wins. It, she's it, the champion. It extends her contract though, and it extends her contract automatically. Yes. So that they're saying we're safe. Yep. If she wins, and that way we can even have a rematch. And if she loses, I think they get rid of the featherweight division. They don't so? have anybody. Yeah. Well, name the fighters that they have signed. You know, they, they've got they got Felicia Spencer and Megan Anderson and Amanda Nunez. That's it. Yeah. So I think if Megan loses, that division's gone. Yeah. I think they're just going to close it down. Dana did come out earlier this year and say that he's working hard to get the featherweight division built. So just, I mean, I know it seems like we always dog on, uh, dog in the UFC, but I will continue. No, I'm not to dogging on. I just, just looking at it the way it appears, because they have it to where if Amanda wins, yeah, they got nobody else. Yeah, really. they, yeah. And if Megan wins, well, they have an automatic. We can do that fight again yes. with Amanda, because Megan's the champion, and Amanda would want that fight again. So, okay, we're good. I don't know. I don't think Megan. Like I, I don't think Megan gets out of the second round. I don't be lucky she, to get out of the first round. Yeah, right. I mean that's what I. I, think I like her as a person. She's just not on the same level as a man. No. Um, I mean I don't know. I mean realistically, I don't know. I mean Coker's trying to build up his division as well. There's just not a lot of girls at 145. Yeah, there really Tough. isn't. You know, I mean you you see Tough. that you see the same thing going on in PFL with uh what Caitlin Harrison. Kayla, Kayla Harrison. Kayla Harrison, and what is she? Yeah. But she's at 155. 
There's even yep. less. There's even less there's girls. No one there. There's less girls. So, um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I would like to see a 35 pound division in in strike in strike for in Bellator, but um, <laughs> but it strike force too. Yeah, I mean, I would like to see it because like girls like Alejandra Lara and also too like Kat Zingano right now has been talking to me about how she like she kind of feels that the 135 pound weight class would be better suited for her than 145. You know, so I mean, I understand, but you know. We'll see. And then Liz Carmouche also, I think, is probably would be better off at 135 as well versus trying to cut down to 25. And then she's not a big girl. Kat's not really nope. a big girl nope. either, but trying to both. Oh, them, I don't know. Kat's bigger than Liz. Yeah, she is. Yeah, yeah, she is. But I'm saying like in terms of like having to make the weight down, I don't know if Kat can make 25. No. I think she can make 35 just fine. 45, yep. I think, is kind of where she is. She walks around, I think, 50. She could make 45, no problem. But making yep. 35 would be... Would be a struggle, but she could do it. Twenty five, I think, is just not even. Uh, the books. She'd make, you know, she made thirty five for most of her career. So. Yeah, and then uh, Liz Carmouche fighting at, you know, twenty five. I mean, I'm interested to see her. She's teammates with Alima Lane McFarland, so that's a that's a sticky situation. <laughs> so it makes you wonder. Could be, yeah, it could be, but fun. I think both of them have already commented on the fact that hey, it's a job and this is what we do, and the title's on the line. We're fighting for it, so that makes sense. I like that. Yeah. Um, okay, let, let's get to Ricardo Lamas, and uh, I, I don't want to butcher this guy's name. Algeo. <laughs> it's it's Algeo. Algeo. Is it Algeo? It's Algeo. 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 Yeah. It's, it's, it's exactly how... How it, about Senor Perfecto? Senor Perfecto. It was so funny when I he, they introduced him, when Buffer, I think, introduced him that way. I was like, is that his real fucking name? His real nickname? <laughs> Crazy. I got to tell you, he's fucking pretty tough. He's good. The kid was tough. Where the hell has this he kid was, been fighting at? He's good, man. He was CF, tough as hell. Man, he was tough as hell. I was like, what in the, where the hell did CFFC, you come from? the same place Ricky Bandejas came from out of New Jersey, man. This yeah, uh, Brendan Longhong Lo, 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 or whatever it is, this Brendan, Brendan guy, yeah, had beat him. From England. Yeah, but that guy's talking hella shit on Twitter. I saw the post saying, I, I would have got Lamas out of there. I was like, oof. I mean, maybe potentially, but I think with Lamas, right? He's what, 38 years old, says he still has something left in the tank. He did what he needed to do tonight. But this is this is when we were talking about earlier with Robbie Lawler. Let me talk to you about with Lamas. The, the thing I have with Lamas right now is he found a way to win. Yep. Like he did whatever he had to to win because I was it the I mean, I had him win in the first, but I had him losing the second. I think that's how it went. I'm trying to remember. Anyways, it, it was one one I had going into the third. Yeah, it was, but it was I had it I had it close though. Also, I think in that first round, but I think it was one one going into the third. I got it. I mean, he just came out and did what exactly what he needed to do. And this is this is the this is where you're gonna run into. How old's the other guy? He's 31. When you talk about veteran material, that's veteran material. Knowing what you need to do to win the fight. Doesn't matter if it's pretty. I don't give two shits about it being pretty. I care about the fucking W in the win column when I'm done with this thing, you know. And and he that's exactly what he did. I don't know how much longer you know Ricardo Lamas is gonna fight, but he needed he needed that win. And you could tell there was a lot of emotions going on in his post fight interview. And you know he got a little emotional uh, talking about his his son and things like that. It just there's a lot. And like when I talk about the Anthony Smith thing, this is it all builds up. And the fighters they're not they. They have, they are, they're human beings and they have lives at yep. home and they got families at home. And, you know, and I had this conversation with Trevor Prangley a lot because, you know, he had two, he had two boys and, 
And every time he would leave them for eight weeks and 10 weeks to come down here, you know, and live with me and, you know, sleep in, you know, in the bare, in the spare bedroom. And it's like, man, wake up every morning, make your own food, do your own life. It's like, it was a grind. Majority of the time it paid off. And when it didn't pay off, it was like, fuck, why am I doing this? You know, my kids miss me, this and that. And this is also too, before FaceTime was as popular as it is now. So he really yeah. was just on the phone talking with the kids and trying to get young kids' attention. You know, for a long enough period of time, be like, hey, outside of just saying, hey, I miss you, I love you, bye. You know, and that's kind of what Trevor was going through is like, you really don't get a <laughs> chance to interact with your kids. Now with FaceTime, you can see them and talk to them. But you could tell by the look with Ricardo Lamas on his face when he was talking about his son, how important it is to him to, you know, be there as a father, be there as, not just be there as a father, but also be an athlete to put food on the table. And there's a lot of pressure that goes into it. I'm, I feel like I'm seeing that a little with Anthony Smith. I feel like I'm seeing it a little bit with Ricardo Lamas and it's, it's it's he found a way to win tonight and that was impressive i hope he fights again at least one more time but then every time you win i'm gonna say it i hope you fight again but when you lose i'm gonna say okay i hope you hang it up i mean it's just how it goes <laughs> it's just how it is you know but i thought he looked good tonight um he struggled a little bit in that second round but then he found the game plan and and it worked for him man it was good but that guy he fought was tough a G. I think he struggled throughout a lot of the fight yeah he did because he was when when you have a last minute replacement, and that's what he had. You know, many times those guys have been watching you fight, you know, numerous times, and you have no idea who they are or what they're good at. Your coaches don't have a lot of time to, to break it down, and your game planning is just very quick. Hey, he does this well, and you're just not ready for the way that guy comes and brings the fight. And I thought Lamas did a really good job of bearing down and doing exactly what you said. He showed, he showed veteran status and he was what I call, he was a wily fighter. Yeah. He did the things that he needed to do in a gritty way to get the win. And you got to take, give him, you know, all the props. That was not an easy win no. for him to get, you know, and that's uh and it was a, it, in my opinion, that was a tough fight for him to take because he needed the fight, but it wasn't going to do him any good as far as winning it. He could only bad things could happen if he loses it. Yeah. So it, that plays in the back of your mind too. And I, I thought he really showed a lot of, he showed a lot of who he is. Yeah. You know, and, I, and I've always liked the car. Ricardo Lamas is just, man, he's so tough. He, I, the fight I had with him and Max Holloway, because Max Holloway put it on him for a lot of that fight. And in the last 10 seconds, they both, you know, they, pointed to the center and stood there and just just wing shots at each other yeah. and i go both of you are freaking nuts but, <laughs> yeah it was, it was an awesome uh, just an awesome display of hey i'll i'll let it all hang out doesn't matter i don't care about the results let me just go after it and, and that's what that's the way i look at lamas as the fighter he's always been a guy who give you everything he has yeah he never got i feel like he never got the respect he deserved like Oh. a little bit earlier in his career like they never really put him up on a pedestal like he, he came in and threw down and he was always a grinder always someone that would just stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with you like he did with max and that that he was fine with that and i feel like he never kind of broke the mold of kind of being a star or somebody that people attach themselves to and i don't know why i have no idea why he had, he had a very entertaining style of fighting. yeah he had that he had that five round you know he, he went against aldo for the championship mm -hmm. went five rounds with him yeah but you know, he lost those rounds sometimes just by a little bit. You know, I thought he fought well in it, but yeah, he's never been that guy that, you know, they've 
the promotion has seemed to really get behind. And, I, and I'm not saying anything bad about the UFC for that. You know, you can only do that so much and you got to see something in the person. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I, they know, you know, that whole thing about how many, how many butts is he putting in the seat? They, they have a better marker to that than I do. So if that's the reason why I kind of understand it, but he's, he's a great fighter. Tough yeah. as hell. Hopefully that's not his last fight. I want to see him do another one. Oh, God, no. God, no. What other fights are on there? There was one I wanted to talk to you about. There was one where it ended there right at the one. bell. There was one on the prelims <laughs> that ended right at the bell. Uh, that, the that head was kick. the, yeah. The, dun, dun, dun. Where we go back up. Dun, dun, it was the, not Patolio. Oh, Zach Cummings. Zach, Zach Cummings and who is uh, it? Chirico? Chimio? Chimico? Lesio? Yeah, Alessio Di Chirico, Dorico. Yeah, anyways. Chirico. Anyways, Chirico. Zach Cummings head kicks him with at the buzzer. The three yep. minute. The guy gets up, stumbles away, stumbles, falls. Yeah. Fight should be done. No. Why not? Fight was done. Fight was done, but it should have been waved off. No, fight was done. He stumbles. He doesn't, doesn't he have to Hold get up, up and stop. walk back to his stop, corner? Stop. I want I'm you just, to think about this. John, I want you to answer this, Kate. Okay? Damn it. <laughs> no, <it's fine. laughs> uh, Don't sugarcoat it. No, the, the fight goes, and when Zach launches that kick right at the bell, it yes. lands right at the bell, right? Bink, ding, right? And you see Mark Smith was the referee. He comes in, and he's, like, stopping, but his hands are a little shaky because he's a little bit confused. It's like, should I, should I call it? Yeah. Well, he sees... Uh, Alessio turning and getting up. Mm-hmm. And so right there, it's like, up. Oh, he's he's getting up. He's not out. If he was out, the fight would have been called. All right? But he wasn't out and he was getting up. He can get knocked down. Okay? So now you've got two seconds from the time the bell rings and he's getting up and then he stumbles. And falls. But he's not going to get but he's not going to get hit anymore. Okay? The, the fight's over. And yes, he stumbles and falls, but is he out? So if Mark Smith had wanted to, he could have waved his hands and said, I'm calling this a knockout win since his brain was altered. And he could have done that, but I thought he did the right thing in saying, I'm going to let it go to the judge's scorecards because, yeah, this is the last minute thing. Because I'm telling you right now, Zach Cummings was losing that round Mm-hmm. up to that point that kick made him win the fight got it so it was it was handled no problem at all he can make that determination i'm going to let this go to the cards because the fighter wasn't out if the fighter was out the fight is over now had that happened between rounds two and three then what different that's what i'm, asking. That's what I'm asking talk to me okay. let's hear about the big do, brain on do we job. have a fighter <laughs> do we have a fighter that could be put in a position to accept more damage. Yes. After a minute break. You got though. Hold. Yeah, after a minute. Well, and so you're going to sit there and you're going to let that fighter go back to his corner. You're going to utilize that one minute of time to look at him, bring a doctor in to look at him, make sure that he's able to function, do little things. Yep. He's good to go. All right. We'll put him back out there. If not, we're going to call this fight. If he's not responding the right, we're going to call the fight there. So, you know, everything is, People look at things and they think everything can be done the same way in every situation. 
can't. You, you, there's ways of going through things, and sometimes you'll have specific things happen. In this situation, when Mark Smith had that right at the end of the round, he had the ability to say, I'm going to let this go to the scorecards, and that's what he did, and it was the right, I thought it was the right call. You know what? I thought so, too. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What other fights were on that card? You know, there was the one. <clears throat> Which one? The one? The, uh, just the one? Just that one, Just huh? the one. That one. The, um, God dang it, Brady. Sean Brady fight. Sean Brady. Yes. Man. Dude, he has got a ground game and a half. <laughs> that dude's yeah. a freaking... You talk about a, a we, we would have guys that we call them the brick shit house, yeah. built like a brick shit house, strong as a freaking ox. That yeah. dude has got that. When it comes to that fight hitting the ground, you know when it hits the ground, that dude's got a chance of beating anybody. Stand up, he's good. Yeah, he was he was getting pulled in by Aguilera on some. Aguilera kept giving that feint where he he's got a he's got a hitch in his giddy up, and a coach is gonna catch it. And they're going to take advantage of it. That's all I'm going to say about that. But Sean Brady wasn't catching it. And Aguilera was having some success on the feet. But man, I'll tell you what, that that uh, one arm guillotine that he did and the way he pressed his body into his hand to create that pressure. Beautiful job. Just a beautiful, beautiful yeah. submission. Paul Felder said he'd been in that position several times. <laughs> he's like, it is not comfortable. <laughs> he's like, he's super strong. He's like, I've never been put in a guillotine with a guy with, with someone who has that much strength in that position. Everybody's got a different squeeze. Yep. You try to tell people, you go, man, you don't know what that guy squeezes. Yep. There are guys that you can have a guy squeeze you and go, ah, I could, I could take that all day. And then the, the next guy and you go, holy Jesus. Yep. Man, I thought I, my head was going to explode. Yeah, there's different there's different ways of doing it as well. So like there's guys yep. like Mike Swick, right? It was painful to be caught in a guillotine by him. It the wasn't that it, yeah, it wasn't like as if it was choking you as much as it just hurt. So bony and just it was across your your throat. It just every, yeah, tricky yeah. and it hurt. He was crushing he was crushing those little cartilage rings, yeah. man. You know, pushing them with, so they touched on the side. And then Rockhold has a very good step over single arm guillotine like he did tonight, like Sean Brady did tonight exactly yeah. like how he did it so he goes right to like trying to go for that you remember uh cody mckenzie how he did the he'd push yep. in with his his wrist luke would go for that when you didn't get it he would just step over and mount and then go palm to chest and then just sit into you and base out with left hand he was physically strong that way as well and there was other guys when i fought jay-z Cavacante. good god he almost choked the shit out. I, I was this I close that fight. i was this close <laughs> to tapping you were gurgling, baby. I was. I was. And when I popped my head out of there, I was like, okay, you got about 30 <laughs> seconds to get your shit together, buddy, because you're losing this round. Yeah. I mean, that was it. He was, he he got on tight and it was quick arm in. And it was like, holy shit. I had no way of figuring out how to get out of there. And it was a tight, tight squeeze. That's when you got snot bubbles blowing. Oh, man. It was, it was brutal. So, I mean, they, there is a difference in, in guys when they, when they attack that type of position. None of our, it's so funny that that, that submission has been around for a while. And I have yet to have trained with somebody that had a really good one in our gym. You know, there was never like, uh, I would say maybe probably the guy that had the best one was probably Gray Maynard, but he never used it. He never, he never really wanted to use his submissions, but his was fucking tight and he had a squeeze. 
I mean, his wrestling, his his, his squeeze was nasty. He just the, never, the guy who never the used guy it. who really had had a good uh, squeeze on a guillotine is Jake Shields. Oh yeah, Jake Shields always had it, man. He had a tight ass squeeze. Man. He he put me in one one time. I was like, all right, that's enough. I'm done. But see, I <laughs> I felt like he, Jake's isn't. It's not strong. His positioning was positioning. so good yep. that it, it didn't seem it seemed like effortless to him. He latched it on. He knew exactly where to grab. And it it was like, oh, I'm okay. I'm okay. And actually, no, he's just like Whoop. And it was the way he would the, the way he would turn his his arm so that blade went right across and got stuck up in the, yep. into that position of your neck. It's like, damn, that's tight. Yeah, but, he was he was good, man. J- Jake is J- Jake's game was just so basic but so damn so good. good tight and it worked on almost i i'd see i've seen him grapple against some of the best black belts in the world you know and he just made them look like they never even belonged on the mat with him and i was like wow and for someone who didn't never really train gi never you know it's all just no gi phenomenal yep. phenomenal grappler um no i yeah i agree at sean, sean brady looked phenomenal um the calf kicks i felt like were having an effect a little bit early uh christian aguilera he was he just didn't he didn't keep capitalizing on them and then sean brady was able to get to you know get to position and and win i thought he i'm looking forward to see i'm looking forward to see him in the future more he's good yeah yeah he's really good he's strong you can see it his stand-up is good technically it's good there was things that i thought he should have taken advantage of that he wasn't able to with it that'll come that's you know he's only got what 13 fights yeah yeah so. 13 and 0 that's that's 13 and 0. That's pretty good. Pretty damn good. Pretty, pretty damn good. Um, can't get much There better. was another fight on there that I wanted to talk about. It was, I can't say the guy's last, guy's last name. Impa Kasanagan. <laughs> God, good thing oh, I'm not Him against Maki? Patolo? Yeah, yeah, him against yeah. Maki uh, Patolo. Yeah. Maki, all he had to do was he just had to throw more. He was letting, he's letting himself get pushed around. And here's the problem. He tried to stay at distance. If he would have fought him in a phone booth, I think he would have won. Had a better chance. Yeah, he would have had a better chance of winning. Instead, he stayed on the distance where he was, where, I don't know the guy's name. I'm going to call him Impa. Impa, that's his first name, it looks like. Uh, he, he, He was faster and longer. It just, I don't understand why he was letting him, why he was staying on the outside. Maki should have been on the inside, trying to dirty box him, stay out of the clinch, like stay out of that clinch area, but just get in that tight knit phone booth and box him up. I mean, he had Maki's got one hell of a chin. I'll tell you that. Took he some does. clean shot. Both guys took some clean shots. But it, it looked like it was going to be a great fight going into the first round. I was like, wow, this is going to be a great fight. And then Impa, I didn't want to butcher the guy's last name. He just the second start, A. Yeah, he just started kind of running away with it as the fight went on and was landing the cleaner shots. Well, and- I thought I thought that they were going back and forth, but there was a, a series in the first round that Impa hit Maki Patola with changed Maki's opinion of the fight he started backing off real fast you could tell that it stung him he was feeling that buzz and he never got back into setting his feet and going after Impo the way he was up to that point and that was the he just changed as his approach to the fight from that point on and that's why Impo walked away with it because Impo won every round yeah, I thought it was. I thought I thought it was going to shape up to be a really good fight, and then it kind of, like I said, Impa he kind of ran away with it, and I was like, yeah. oh, but it was shape. It looked like in the first round it was going to shape up to be a great fight, and I'm like, ah, oh, just didn't work out. Um, 
All right. Well, what else? I mean, we've pretty much talked about this whole card. As much as as much as we yeah, as it. much as we we could. Um, what else? What else is there? What, uh, you, what the, you got for us? Give us some news. All right. So I, uh, wait, wait, wait. Before we get moving on, why was the main event a three round fight? You know, in this one, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly why. I, I I I had heard the last one was because. You know, it was a the co-main, and by the time that they, it switched to the main, uh, to do that to the fighters, so it might have been the same situation. I don't know. Comment section, okay? Do your homework. There you go. They'll there you tell go. Us. Let us know. Let us know how dumb we are. <laughs> Let us know what you got no, there we're for supposed us. To know all that stuff. Yeah, podcast Dave, what care. you got? I um, it's three or five. I actually prefer when it's three, to be honest, unless it's for a title. I don't want. <laughs> I, I just I don't like that these guys are fighting for the same amount of pay. For a five round fight and uh knocking years off their lives for a five round fight that's the same amount of pay. Yeah. That's my that's my that's my take on it. I agree with you. Okay. But, but there are times... you don't think it's good? Sorry, I'm going down. Do I don't think but it's there... good for what? Go ahead, Dave. Oh no, I was just gonna say you don't think it's good practice for somebody to like you be sound going for so a much better <laughs> through that mic than uh-huh. you did on the other one. Um, no, no, I know. So what I think is this, as I think, look, if this is the number one contender spot, let's have you fight a five round fight against somebody else who may potentially be another, another number one contender spot. Let me give you an example. Like if it's going to be just, it's not gonna be justification, but, uh, uh, Dustin Poirier versus whoever. Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson. I, t- to me, to me, it should be a five round fight because that's going to catapult whoever it is. Like, Hey, he's going to be next in line. That's also getting their body ready for another five round camp. To get them get them into a routine, and I'm okay with that. But when you're talking about guys, you know, like tonight, Rakic and uh, Anthony Smith, I've, I think it should have been a three round fight. Anthony didn't have anything else in the gas tank after three, so there was no reason to go four and five. It just it didn't make sense. I, I wouldn't. I'm glad it was three. Um, there's a there's just there's just no reason. I think when you get in the six, seven, eight uh, category, that's kind of where you kind of. Those guys don't need to be fighting five round fights yet. Okay. When they get into that two, three, and four, and five in that top five, let's have them fight because then that, that lets them know that they're ready for the title shot. They're getting there. They're in that conversation that that there needs to be a there needs to be a separation between it. And I, I think that's that's just me being a fighter thinking to myself, these guys already are putting their body through a ton of shit. It's all about mileage. You know, and then I want to see these guys fight for a long time. I want to see this is their dream. I want to see them make a lot of money. And I want to see them fight for a long time and take care of their families and and do what they love doing. Because none of these guys, when they get done, want to get a fucking real job. So I don't want them to. I want them to keep doing this. I want them to have a long life. I want them to have a long career and in, in, in these type. And so I think. Fighting five round fights, you know, especially some of these fighters that are like 26, 27, 28, fighting five round fights. I'm like, damn, you know, I mean, you're, you could be shortening your career by, you know, two, three years. That's a lot of money when you're talking two, three years. That's a ton of fucking money. Hey, Dave, pull up, pull up Maki Patolo if you can. Cause I, 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 was the, I want that, to know no. how was, many fights has he had in the last, eh, let's, since COVID and we started, let's say from May. I think he's had three fights in the UFC since May. Shut up, really? I think so. No way. Come uh, on. He fought in June, August, and August, yeah. Wow. Boom, 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 boom. Wow. <laughs> yep. I wonder, where's he from? Is he from the Contender Series? No, man, he's from Bellator. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh, he was on Contender. He was. 
He was on contenders. He was, he was on contender. Yeah. Dana White's contender series. Yeah. 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 Jeez. I don't know. I mean, like, I just, yeah, when you're fighting that much as well. I mean, I went through those stages, though, too. I think one time I had five or six fights in one year. Well, there's been quite a few guys, and it's it's interesting to see. And it's partly because, you know, they've got the Fight Island, and then they're, they're doing all these shows at, at Apex. But they're ma- not making guys. They're having guys fight quite often because yeah. I think they're having some difficulty getting, you know, all these fights and you know, matching guys up. And so you got certain guys like Maki who are willing to say, yeah. Hey, I'll take that fight. I'll take the next fight. Just, you know, give me another one. So some guys are getting, uh, they're having a good financial year in 2020 and that's a good thing. Yeah, it is going to be, it's going to be great. It's going to be great for them. I'm glad, I'm glad they're staying busy because a lot of these guys that they either can't get the test done in time to, to fight or they do mm-hmm. take the test and they test positive for COVID or they just, they're like, I'm not going to take a chance and ruin my career if it not have a camp. Like some of these people's gyms are not open. Majority yeah. of these people's gyms are not open. No, there's a lot of guys that, you know, they're, they're training out of their garage. Yep. You know, they're pulling guys in they're they're doing things in the backyard. And some of them are to the point saying, I can't, I can't get myself no. prepared the right way. I'm not going to fight. I think the UFC is having to deal with that. You know, and it's not an easy thing, you know, for the fighter. It's not an easy thing for the promotion. It's tough. Yeah. But I thought I was, I was thinking, man, I've seen Maki fight quite a few times on the UFC in the last couple of months. So, jeez, that's what I lot. thought. But hey, made yeah. some money. Make that money. Good baby. for him. Make Good that him. money. Uh, what else? What you got there, Dave? Uh, so I started a new Wayne and club called the VIT Club. Um, t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> People who are rocking Wayne and T-shirts get to email us, find questions. Ah, the VITs. VITs. Okay, I like what you did there. <laughs> yeah, like, he's waiting for. He, he wants to be patted on the back right now, John. John, just say good job, Dave. Good <laughs> job, Dave. Good job. Uh, so, so I reached out to you're a bunch so of needy, these guys. I swear, <laughs> excellent so idea. I just want to make sure you get it because I know your brain doesn't uh, work that fast anymore. So half the time, want... I'm trying. I don't have no idea what the fuck you're saying because I don't understand your accent. So, <laughs> go ahead so uh andreas leo asked um in boxing you see boxers sign to different promotions and still end up fighting each other you even co-promote events you do uh do you ever see a future where daniel in the ufc will get with scott and his great team at bellator and start to co-promote fights uh between their <laughs> fighters for super fights it would be insane to see a lightweight bellator fighter winning the ufc title or vice versa in any weight class go ahead john okay <laughs> we we talk about this a lot, but no. Yeah. Oh, oh, if you look at if you look at the world of boxing and you you see what you know, if I told you if I named a, a boxer and said who's this promoter, no one knows for yeah. the most part. All right. If you know if I said who who is Tyson Fury's promoter, <clears throat> very few people are going to know. All right. If I said, who's Anthony Joshua's promoter? Very few, few people are going to know. So in, in the world of boxing, no promoter has done what the UFC has done. And that's make the promotion bigger than the fighters and bigger than the sport itself. So Top Rank or Don King or uh, PBC or any of those, Golden Boy, None of them are bigger than boxing. And most people don't care about 
who the boxer is promoted by. But in the world of MMA, you got you to gotta give it to the UFC. They have created this situation where many people believe that the UFC is the sport. Mm -hmm. They call it UFC. You know, <laughs> I used to have a shirt that used to say, I train UFC, bro. <laughs> because it was, people just didn't understand. There's, the UFC is a promotion within mm -hmm. the sport not the sport and and that's not putting them down they've done a fantastic job of marketing the their promotion into people believing that they're the sport they're not the sport and it doesn't do them any good to put their fighters who they have under contract against a fighter from a different promotion that could possibly beat that fighter because then it shows everybody that hey those fighters from other places are just as good if not better than some of the fighters that are fighting in the ufc so it doesn't it doesn't help the ufc in any way so why are they going to do it they're not going to do it <clears throat> dana's dana went through this long ago you know he sent fighters like chuck liddell to pride because he was trying to get the sport bigger and he was trying to do a deal with pride to get some of the fighters from pride to fight in the USC and that kind of backfired on him. And from that point, he said, I'm never doing that again. And he hasn't really. So you know, he, he has showed that eh, I know what I'm doing with this. As far as you're not under contract with me, you are not fighting in the UFC. So I don't see, I don't think you're going to see any of these cross promotion fights in the UFC. I think you could see cross-promotion fights like Bellator did with Ryzen, other promoters, but it's not going to happen with the UFC. No, I agree with you 100%. We've talked about this. It's not going to happen. There's, uh, I, know, no. I know Scott Coker is open to it. You've seen that with Ryzen, but it's not going to happen. So I really don't want to even entertain the issue of, or the, the conversation of, hey, let's cross-promote. Let's see if Patricio beats Volkanovski. I, I don't even give a Oh, you, but you... Oh, you I gotta mean, admit, I love you gotta, it. You gotta love what Patricio's been doing. I love it. You talk about a guy saying, "Oh, hey, I'll you know Dana White, I'll bet a million dollars that I beat your boy." It's yeah. A, so it's like, invoke you know that's only gonna inspire Volkanovski to try to, you know, yeah. come back and say, "Oh, dude, let's do it," because he believes he's the best in the world, and Patricio believes he's the best in the world. That's the way it's supposed to be, and it would be wonderful. Yeah. If you could see that fight. Yeah, especially. But it's. Especially those two, because stylistically, oh, yeah. they make for a fucking great fight. Oh, yes, they do. I think Patricio has a hard time with Max. I think he has a hard time with Max, just like Volkanovski has a hard time with Max. You know, the last fight I gave it to Max, I gave Volkanovski the first fight against Max. Yep. Stylistically, Literally. though, Max made some adjustments and Volkanovski didn't fight the same way he did the first fight. And so, but I think if you put Patricio in there with Volkanovski, I think it makes for a very fun fight because they're both short, stocky, muscle guys and... Both very fast. Both have both good power. Yeah, both both hit hard. Both, uh, you know, just they're just little tanks, man. Both of them. That makes for a fun fight. But look, if we can go on with the whole Usman and Lima, we can go on and Gay Garden, whoever and Izzy, we can go on and on and on. But I'm gonna I'm gonna take this a different way. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that question. I'm gonna run it a different direction. I could care less if we see um, cross promotion as long as I can have more inner like uh, cross promotion trades i want to see fighters being traded 
from Bellator, UFC one. I know we have. We've I've, we've seen it with the uh, what's it called, Eddie or not Eddie, but um, yeah, but that wasn't a trade. I get it, but honest. I'm saying Come I want to see. I want to see more of that though. I want to see. It was yeah. uh, it was DJ okay, and it was hold DJ on, and Ben on. Askren. But okay, but I want you to think about this. When you signed a contract, and we'll say you signed the contract with Strikeforce, and Scott traded you to. We'll say one FC or Scott traded you to the LFA. Would you have been happy? You were fighting in San Jose yeah. in front of your home, your hometown people. And would you have been happy that it all of a sudden that's gone? No, but that's not this. You have no control. You're right. You don't have any that's control wrong. in the NBA either. No, I'm not talking about the NBA, but in fighting, the one thing that you have control of is when you sign with that fight promotion you know that's where you're going to be fighting i understand that until they release you i do understand that and it's not like they're releasing you and telling you where you have to go i'm I'm just simply saying i would rather see more trades (laughs) like you're sitting here trying to pitch the argument that that i understand i I understand exactly what you're talking about you're take you're you're taking the side of the fighter and yes and i normally do that as well but in this situation I know I'm never going to see. I know I'm never going to see cross promotion. So what I want to see is I want to see some more trades. I want to see one fighter go from one organization to the other with potential of seeing title fights against each other. Like I would love, and I'm just Max is no longer their champion. I would love for them to trade Max to Bellator, and then we give them somebody that we have, whether it's Gaygard or whether it's you know whoever else. I'm just simply saying it would be nice to have those type of things happen whether it's one i would love to see eddie come back and fight okay hold on but you you brought up you would love to see max go to bellator okay i'm I'm just throwing out names i mean yeah but that's fine we'll say it was max and max would be a good one because he'd be able to fight in hawaii for once and that would be a good thing too but who who would you say you'd have to give up if you're the ufc who are you gonna take to give up max holloway I mean, it's gonna have to be someone good. Yeah, it will be someone good. I mean, you know, so yeah. who? You gonna give up AJ McKee? No, I'll probably give up Lima. You give up Lima. Yep. You're gonna give up a champion for a guy that's not a champion. Probably put him somewhere in there. I might maybe. I can't think. Maybe. I mean, outside of that, who else would you get? MVP. Okay. If you want to say no? If you want, but I mean. You got to look at it too. How old is Max and how old is MVP? I think MVP is a little bit older than Max. So like you got to look at the age too. How many years do I have left on you? Like at least with Lima, right? Like you know he he's pretty much wiped out the division. There's a couple guys sure that are still in there, but he's wiped out the the welterweight division. Let him go and, and then we'll take Max and Max can start trying to fight the guy. We have a stacked 145 pound division. That's why we're having that tournament right now. You got Emmanuel Sanchez. You've got... Pedro Cavallo, you've got our Cavallo, you've got all these guys that are there. It's a whole new group of people for him to fight. Max has already wiped out his division, except for Volkanovski. Let's move on. Let's make that trade. That's just that's, that's just that that's just me. I'm I'm spe- I'm like I'm not I'm not trying to let let's put our guys against each other. I get it, but let's do trades to make to make this more interesting. Like you have then you have no vested interest in that guy anymore. Okay, your guy now. Let's say Max comes over. He wouldn't get it. Maybe he wouldn't get an automatic tile shot because he's not a champion. Have him fight the winner of the or the, the guy person who lost in, in the finals of the tournament, AJ McKee, or pay, whoever else it is. 
You know, I mean, you have guys that are there that they could fight. It makes sense. I mean, like for me, I want to see more trades and I know it sucks for a fighter to be traded, but it's no different than a, a major league baseball player, or a football player or a basketball player. And I get it. They're making a lot more money than these fighters are. So they can go wherever the fuck they need to, to make money. And the majority of the time it's in this, in, in the country, you know, I mean, you have the Toronto, what blue Jays, I think, you know, that's the only other spot, but outside of that, all baseball is played here in, in the U S with fighting. It's not that way. Sure. The UFC is here. Um, you know, Bellator is here, but if you go to get traded to one, I mean, you're gonna be fighting in PFE. You know, you'll be fighting in Kuala Lumpur. You'll be fighting in Jakarta. You'll be fighting in Beijing and Singapore, in Philippines, Singapore, Manila. Philippines, Manila. You'll be fighting all. I mean, you'll be fighting all around. You know, Asia. So yeah. if you don't want to fight that, but that's also something. If you get traded, you go over there and you say, "Hey, look, if I'm getting traded to here and I don't really want to be here, let's talk contract negotiation." That's what a lot of players do. I don't want to be here. I don't want to play. I don't want to fight. You're sure you can sit out, but no one's going to make that trade and say, hey, I'm not going to pay you to come over here and sit out. I'm going to have you on the roster and, you know, you're going to let's work a deal out. Let's get you happy and make you happy here. Scott Coker did that with Will Brooks when he first came in. Will Brooks said he wasn't happy, at, you know, at Bellator. He was having some fits, this and that. Scott made some adjustments for him, gave him a pay grade, a pay, a pay increase, took care of him. And and Will still shit the bed. But, you know, so then we let him go. But you know what I mean? I mean. But you know you got to do what you can to try and make fighters happy, and I, wow. I think Coker did that. I think I think Chautry uh, from one. I think he does whatever he can to make his fighters happy, you know. And Dana is up and down. There's times he will, and there's times he won't, you know. But I'd love to see trades. I think outside of saying like, "Hey, let's have our guys fight your guys," let's just say, "Hey, Max has wiped out that division." And I'm only using Max because it's such an easy name to, to cross promote with, and people sure. will understand who I'm talking about. But Max has already wiped out that division pretty much outside of Volkanovski. You know, um, and, and Patricio's pretty much if, if he gets through this tournament, he will have wiped out all the everyone in the weight class and sometimes two or three times. You know, I mean, he's fought Daniel Weichel, what, twice? He's fought uh, other, Strauss like five times. Yeah, five times. He's fought other guys <laughs> that are in this tournament. He's fought him a couple of times. You know what I mean? But like here, let me say Max Holloway and Adam Borch. That makes for a fucking to me. That makes for a very fun fight. Adam Borch just fought 155 pounds in his last fight. Looks good. Started off a little slow, but looked good. Size-wise, he's huge. Very talented. Good on the ground. Good on the feet. There's a lot of guys that I think they would make for fun fights with Max Holloway. I'm just throwing it out there. You know, and I'm not... I love Lima. I'm I, I'm not trying to, like, get rid of him, obviously. I think he's... To me, I think he's the best <laughs> welterweight in the world. But I understand other people's arguments for other people. For, for you know, Usman or for whoever else is, in, you know, over there. I get it. I understand it. But I want to see... Lima's already wiped out that division. Okay, and we're talking about having him fight guys again. That's why he's going to fight Gegard Mousasi. Why not let him? That's the thing. Let him go. Let's see how he does. You know, and we'll get over somebody that can that can fight. You know, Patricio or somebody else. I mean, I'm just these are the names that I have in my head right now. <laughs> just an idea. I, I get it. I, I would, it would suck to be a fighter being traded. I understand, but I would like to see more of that. Hey, John. Um, yes, sir. So I've I've heard um, John Fitch a few times talk about uh, how. Um, in MMA, based on the Ali Act, uh, the the promotion owning the titles uh, is is illegal, and so yes. te technically, like the UFC shouldn't be able to have UFC belts, and so that that should enable co-promoting. Um, what's your what, what's your understanding of that, and do you have any like additional insight there? It's it is as simple as it gets. The UFC has been very staunch in their support of paying millions of dollars to stop the Ali Act 
coming into MMA. And this is a, uh, there's been a group that has uh, tried to get the Alley Act put into, you, you need to understand what, what occurred. The Alley Act is not so much, you know, <sighs> Mike Tyson was under the management and promotion of Don King at a certain point in his career. And Don King took advantage of him in a lot of ways. You know, Mike Tyson had towels. Well, it cost those towels cost Mike Tyson $86,000. When you look at things that were taken out of his paycheck, wow. his purse for fighting, you know, $86,000 for white towels. So, you know, these are all things where you can look and say, Mike Tyson can look and say, Don King, he, he stole from me and he did. So, what occurred was uh, the Alley Act was Congress got together and there was a special uh, committee that was put together that came up with the Alley Act. They, they named it after Muhammad Ali. And the thing that was said is, first off, a promoter could not manage a fighter. That was one of the big things. So you couldn't get someone that basically had ownership of this fighter and then promote them. And you can look at the UFC contracts and you can say, well, they kind of have, they don't have the management, but the contracts themselves don't, will not work under the Ali Act. They would, all of those contracts would have to change and they would have to change for a multitude of reasons, but simple things that Randy Couture uh, fought against forever, because you can go back and you, you look at Randy's career with the UFC. You know, Randy, Randy was in the UFC at UFC 13. That was his first fight there. And he left after winning. Maurice Smith and against Ke uh, Kevin Randall. But one of his things was when he won that belt, that's a, close to about the time that Zufa bought the UFC. That was the Fertitas. And you can go back and they, they did a, you know, they were doing uh, advertising at the time, trying to build things. And they took all of the champions for the most part, which at the time was, you know, Tito Ortiz was their big guy. Jens Pulver was the lightweight champion and, and Carlos Newton had just beaten Pat Militich. And you had these champions and they took Chuck Liddell and put him in there, even though Tito was the champion of the light heavyweights. And Randy Couture was the heavyweight champion, but they had put, Pedro Hizzo, who they believed was going to beat Randy. Well, he lost to, lost to Randy at UFC 31, but it was close, you know, and uh, he put a whooping on Randy's legs. Well, then they put him in an immediate rematch against Randy, and Randy whooped him badly because he figured out how to fight against him. But Randy was always in this fight with them about what he called his ancillary rights, the rights for them to own his voice and likeness and everything. And what you're seeing out of, you know, go ahead and look at the UFC game. All right. Wow. There's a lot of things going on in that thing that the UFC video game, you know, you, you don't see me in it. And that was because I told him long ago, I don't want to be in it. And you know, they offered money and I said, not interested in it. I don't care about being in your video game. But now I've even seen, you know, they, they've got, they got Mike Beltran who is, you know, a referee. And he's one of the people you can make as a fighter in that UFC game. They haven't paid him a cent. 
They haven't paid him anything. And you look and you go, they're stealing his ancillary rights. That's what Randy was always in a battle with the UFC over. And that's part of what the Muhammad Ali Act starts to cover is you can't have those types of things. If you are going to have a video game right now under the contract that the UFC has, as soon as you sign the contract, you as a fighter are handing over your ancillary rights, your likeness, your voice, you know, everything about you, they can use in perpetuity, we'll say, meaning forever. So it doesn't matter if you're not fighting for them. You're not fighting for them. They can put you in the video game because you at one time signed a contract with them and now they owned your likeness in perpetuity. They can put you in there and they owe you nothing. They don't have to pay you for it. That's the kind of things that the Ali Act was there to make sure it didn't happen. The other part was that the promoters had to give access to the numbers. How much money did that show do to the actual fighters and their management? And they had to have a certain percentage that went to the fighters. Well, the UFC doesn't have that in the world of MMA. They pay the fighters whatever they're going to pay, and they're going to make whatever they make, and nobody knows what it is. So there's a lot of things that would have to change if the Aliak came into MMA. And it's all things, I'm telling you right now, the, the UFC will fight tooth and nail to make sure it never happens course here's the you were talking about the losing the rights of basically their identity yep. um it's weird because i i never i did sign the con i didn't i did sign my contract to fight for them but it wasn't in the contract we actually took it out and they were okay with it but they came back to me like on my last two fights with them and they tried to get me to sign it and we went through this whole john fitch thing and it was so funny because every time they had a intern Obviously, trying to get you fitted for your Reebok gear for the last for my last fight. It was the only time I ever had to wear a Reebok. And I love how the interns try to talk to you. Like, like you need to sign this paperwork. And if you don't sign it, like, you know, like I'll 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 tell Dana. And I was like, Well, you can tell Dana that I'm not signing that. <laughs> and so it's one of those, it was it's a it, it, every turn, it was like, oh, just sign this, just sign yep. that. And yep. they would try to catch you slipping at every turn. Yeah. They, when you go somewhere, here's another thing. You got to sign this if you're going to do this event. And it's it's not has nothing to do with the event. Has to do with what they're trying to get you to sign. Future things. And majority, yep. yeah, and majority of it is the the rights to your name, the rights to your nickname, the rights to, like you said, your voice and all the other things <clears throat> that they want to use you in. Um, I did the, I did do the thing with uh, the video game with EA. Because I was part, I was already in the EA game with Strike Force when we actually had the EA. So I, my deal, I had already done a deal with EA. I was like, what's the point? Like I'm already with EA, but I did understand that it was with um, the UFC. So now they have the rights to use my name in the video game, which I, I doubt I'll probably be in that thing for very long. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, other than that though, like all the other stuff was done separately, like my training cards and my uh action figures and all that stuff was all done separately through my own management that they they never did for me so that was nice that was uh you know but that's it's all it's up to you do you want them here's the thing do you want them doing sure cool you have an action figure but you didn't make anything off of it is it cool no. to you is it cool to you that exactly you know that's the whole point you know when it came to you know i had been in the the first video games they had you know the first one i think was for dreamcast you know, and it was, you know, 
that was the first UFC videos. And, and that was in like four of the first series of them. And then when THQ yes. was uh, coming and that was they were this big thing. And they, they came to me and they offered, they offered $3,000 to be in the video game. And I had told them, ah, nah, I'm not interested. And they're, what do you mean you're not interested? I don't care about being in the video game. It doesn't yeah. matter to me. I've been in them and it doesn't do anything. I don't care. Yeah. Well, why? I just told you, I don't care. So they <laughs> said, okay. And so then it was all of a sudden I started getting calls from the UFC saying, Hey, what's going on here? What, why are, why are you not doing this? It's Cause I don't, I don't care about being in the video. Game. Well, we want you to be in the video game. I said, that's okay. Fine. Then tell them to pay me more money. Right. And well, well how much do you want? I said, well, I want more than the $3,000. Yeah. They go, well, are, well, okay, so if we get you 5000 I said, no, it's not going to be enough either. I said, you don't seem to, I don't care. I'm willing to give up the $3,000. I'm willing yeah. to give up the five. I don't care. I don't want to be in it. So they said, well, this doesn't make sense. I said, yes, it does. Yeah. I said, because see, I don't owe THQ anything. Mm -hmm. They're going to, I said, they have paid you this large amount of money for them to be able to make this game and have UFC on it. And you're getting paid. I go. And so you want, you want to put my ugly face on it. Okay. Well, I don't owe THQ anything. So if they want to put it on that game, then they can pay me. Yeah. I go. And if they don't pay me, then I'm not on the game and it doesn't matter to me. And they go, but, but, it, it's for us. I said, no, I, I understand the way you're saying it's for you, but I'm not taking any money from you. You've already made your money. In fact, I'll tell you this. If you're going to tell me that you're the one paying the guys like me to be in it, I'll, I'll do it for free. That's how much the money means, but I don't care. You can have it. I'll let you do it for free. But if it's not, and that check is coming from THQ, I want a lot more money. Yeah. <laughs> and they go, all right, we'll get back to you. And then that was it. And that I was, was done. And I was like, and, I, and I'm okay with that. You know, it's yeah. like, it's just, it's them just figuring that, hey, we can throw you this little tidbit and you're going to be happy. Well, or, you, it's, or it's that important for you to be in a video game. Well, okay. you, have, you have to if remember. It is, do it. You have to remember that. A lot of the people that they do this to are struggling fighters, fighters that need that 3000, that 5,000 yeah. or fighters that are, you know, Hey, I'm doing it. I'm a company man. I'm going to do it for you know, that's, that's, I did that. That's beside the point, you know, I'm <laughs> earlier like, you, know, was. you know, um, I know when strike force did their EA game or whatever, I was like, I was all gung ho. Cause I was like really excited about the fact that like, I'm going to be in a video game. Some I can show my kids later on, but little did I know the fucking video games. Now they happen so fast and the technology so much faster. That video game now, it's like probably all pixelated. Like what oh, you, yeah, if I was to horrible. show my kid, the, they don't even make that console anymore. It doesn't buy. even look like you. Yeah, it does. It, yeah, it's like my nose is really big. And oh, but that actually is just like me. <laughs> Anyways, you know what I mean? But that's the thing. Like I was so enamored with the fact that like, oh, wow, this is going to be, I'm going to be in this game. But then little did I know by the time if I was to ever have kids, I'm, one, I'm, I'm not going to look like that. That's that game. That game console is out of date. It's never going to play. So it doesn't make a difference now. So when you were talking about, I really don't care. There's a reason why you don't care because in 10 years, that game's obsolete. That console's probably obsolete as well. Everything is obsolete. Yep. So there's no reason for it. So there's a lot of other ways. Is there anything else, Dave? What yeah. you got? 
as let me just find this person's name uh so peter jackson asks um how many mma fans will switch to bellator because of dana's endorsement of trump i don't know if he wants a number i think he just wants <laughs> to i don't uh, think anyone people are um i mean you may see you may see what's going on right now in major league baseball and, and definitely in the nba and i think you're gonna probably see it in football people will stop watching they so are stopping they are. watching yeah, the numbers will not lie. the The biggest game normally, especially in the last two years, has been the Clippers and the Lakers in the NBA. And that game on opening day, because of all the protesting, the numbers went from normally being like anywhere between three and a half to four million views to one point two and a half, one point three. That lets you know on opening game that the that the American public just does not care or does not want to be caught up in all the protesting with sports. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't care about what's going on in, in the U.S. They just don't, when they flip on the TV to watch sports, they don't want to deal with it. And it's a I release. Think, and I They think want to get away from it. Dana's done a good job of separating his support for Trump with his business. He talks and speaks about him, you know, um, at whatever the convention RNC. at the rnc he also has spoken for him before i think for his acceptance speech or something a while but when he was elected or before he was elected anyways all those he things did the rnc twice yeah so so he's he does he he does make it publicly known but he doesn't pump that at his events he's not telling fighters that they can't do whatever it is they want to do or you know or he's he, the fighters just aren't doing that and that's, I think that's what the difference is going to be. Maybe people may, maybe we'll stop watching, but I can tell you now it, it could end up being a crossover what you're seeing in the NBA and major league baseball. And you know, I think the only, the only sport right now that's not taking a real bad hit is the NHL, but they, even their numbers are down, but they're not taking as bad a hit as the NBA and major league baseball. So, and I think the NFL, if the same thing happens with them and they, and on their opening day or their first couple of days or whatever it is, no, people are not, the numbers are going to drop. I already have a ton of friends that I, I do three fantasy leagues and all three of them said, nah, we're good. We're not doing it this year. And I was like, Ooh, I mean, that's three leagues. Each league has 12 people. I mean, well, you got to look and say people, hardworking people. You know, let, let's just be honest. I, I thought Colby Covington actually put out a pretty good tweet about, you know what? You're playing a kid's game, making a lot of money and living. Go, go get a real job and see what it's like. Be a cop. Yeah. And I'm not saying that they should be a cop, but people watch sports to get away from reality at times. They watch it so they can get away from the hard work and the job and the politics and everything that's going on. They they, they want to you know separate themselves. And when all of a sudden it's now just part of that world too, it's like screw it, I'm done. Uh, get me out of here. Yeah. And and you're gonna lose your your fan base, and it's gonna be hard for them to get it back. You, know, you you could take two people. You know, you're talking about MMA. I think what Tito and and Dana hate each other. They're both Trump supporters, so they get along in that one aspect. And so, you know, but they hate each other. Other than that, politics. What are, you know, people. If you're allowing politics to get into your life in a way that is, you know, making it to where you can't talk with someone or be friends with someone because of their politics, you've let it get too deep, too yeah. deep. Yeah, I can't, I can't even go on Facebook right now because all it is is just, 
It's like Joe Rogan talks about all the time. It's tribalism. It's my team is is the best and my team is this, my team is that. But guess what? Somewhere in the middle there is where you both lie. You're just fighting for your team and sound very, very fucking stupid. You know, and that's the problem. Like they're so gung ho on the internet talking about that. But if we sat two of you idiots together, you guys would both realize that you both care for people here. You both care for people here. And there's somewhere in the middle is where we lie. And that's the yeah. problem with it. With that, like Tyson said, like a lot of you are getting really comfortable talking shit to people on the internet without getting, socked, without getting socked in the mouth. And that yep. that's a big problem because now you've got, you've got moms with three kids talking about i'm gonna knock you out or i'm gonna punch you in the face i'm like shut <laughs> up like you're you're on facebook you know and as far as with i don't think it's gonna cost them anything i think because the fighters don't do that and nope. the fighters i mean there's no national anthem so they're not kneeling for anything they're not they can be vocal on their own time dana's made it very clear over the years about talking about politics when it comes to the fight game, fighters do not talk about it. It's wise for you not to talk about it because it will, it will haunt you, you know, stay away from all the other stuff, you know, that goes along with politics, you know, and uh, stay away from religion. Don't bother. Like just, I know have you, if you are Catholic, be Catholic at home or in your church. If you're a Christian, (laughs) be Christian at home or in your church or around your family. I mean, he does, he does make a point because people do get turned off by it and then that will hurt yeah, your viewership. You, and then you, we'll, you'll, you'll, turn on, you'll turn on, in. you'll turn on one person. You're going to turn off another. Yep. And so why Just turn them, turn them all on with your fighting ability. There's mm-hmm. no reason to bring any of that into any part of it. It's just crazy. I mean, but podcast Dave here deleted his Facebook. Cause he was like in straight up wars after he tells us, not to go in the comment section and read them, <laughs> but this yeah. guy can't go on his own Facebook. He's like venting to me one day about, I'm just going to delete it, man. I, can't. I was like, don't delete it. Just keep it until after the election. All this shit will go away. I deleted it. Because <laughs> yeah, he, it. he couldn't handle, he couldn't handle reading no, people's posts. That's why. I fed up. Like, dude, even, oh yeah. Anyway. It's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. I just, like I said, there's, you have both there's there's two sides to it and somewhere in the middle everyone can i think get along the problem is we just have such a divide right now uh and it's not and i think i think it goes both ways i think it's both sides i think it's both parties and uh it's even the libertarian parties it's the, all three of their faults it's everyone's fault i mean really you just got i think as human beings we all need to sit down and and realize that in the middle we all agree that human life is important and we should focus on that and what we got to do to make sure that everyone is healthy happy and you know, and, and have work, job, take care of their families, do things like that. Anyways, uh, is that it? Anything else, Dave? Let's go. Um, I have one more for the um, VIT fan questions. VIT fan <laughs> questions. <laughs> VIT, he likes saying it. From Tyler Wilburn, he asked, he just asked simply, most dangerous strike you have seen, question mark. There's no doubt right now. The most dangerous strike right now in the game is the calf kick. It changes. No. It changes the game. You're not saying. I don't think he means it that oh, way. Okay, I understand. Okay. I understand the way you're saying it. Yeah. You know, it's it's the one that everyone's gonna have to figure out how to deal with. You know, change, check, whatever you want to say. I think he's saying, "What's the most dangerous strike?" As far as you know, is a knee to the head the most dangerous strike? Is a is a spinning back kick the most dangerous hmm. 
At least I think that's what he's Francis Ngannou's left hook. <laughs> yeah, there you go, man. <laughs> it's a good one right there. Yeah, he's nasty. I mean, everything he does is just nasty. Um, I mean, oh. realistically, I think, honestly, I think probably the most dangerous strike, if it's connected properly, will be Anderson Silva, uh, Vitor Belford, that up kick right to the chin. You know, Machida and Randy, the same thing. Like, I mean, I think to me that's probably the most dangerous that is out there and available, I think, if it lands properly. That's – what do you think? I've, I've always said – well, I, I've always said – it's amazing where people start to get into this, you know, Oh, you, you can't do that. You can't do that. Or the, you know, you know, a kick to the knee, a kick to the here. It's like you, we allow someone to use a baseball bat basically, which is their shin and launch that baseball bat at about 80 miles per hour upside someone's head, similar to what happened to Ryan Bader in the Nemkov fight. Yeah. All right. And that's okay. So yeah, taking a shin and allowing it to hit someone's skull is not a good thing, but we allow it. Same as taking a knee and allowing it to land in the middle of someone's face. You can go back and watch what MVP did to, you know, Cyborg Santos mm -hmm. and crushing the front sinus area of his skull. You know, th those types of blows, they're dangerous. I'm not saying they're not, but it's part of our sport. And fighters know how to deal with them for the most part. But every now and then, someone's going to launch one and it's going to land. Yeah. Look at that kick right there. Oh, Podcast yeah. Dave just put up a kick. I've never seen that guy before. <laughs> oh, man. Gosh, where's the time gone? Well, that was like, what, seven years ago? <laughs> it's a oh, while ago. Long time, man. I'm old. Jeez. Look at, yeah, look at Cyborg. Look at Cyborg. <laughs> that's absolutely <laughs> fucking disgusting. His whole... Oh. His yeah, his skull was caved in. That's so gross. That would did actually be see, an improvement did, on podcast did, Dave's face. Though. Did you see the scar on his head when they fixed that? No, it went ear to ear in this not quite, you know, completely. It was it had a, a little curve to it, but all the way across, they peeled the whole front of his face off to be able to put metal plates in to fix that. It's just you look at what they did. It's like oh, crazy. I can see there it. you go. There's yeah. the scar. Boom. Oh my goodness. Now, crazy with a metal plate though he can't fight again he's never fought since yeah i know but uh, you know he, he was towards the end of his career yeah. anyway so but yeah he hasn't fought since and uh that's a good thing but oh, he looks good now it fixed they fixed him up good but man you look and you go that's what a well-placed knee and the skull or a shin Jeez. can do Jeez. no thank you i'll pass hard pass. hard pass buddy hard pass <laughs> hard pass God, he was ripped, man, when he was younger. Good. Oh, God. yeah. Yeah. Just a little. All right, my man. Well, hey, everybody, thank you guys so much for tuning in and hope you guys enjoyed the show. The fights tonight were, you know, there was a couple good ones that we talked about. Um, you know, so if you guys haven't had a chance to watch the fights, go back and watch them. Come back, hit the comment section. Let us know what you guys think of what we what we said. Uh, also, go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Wayne in. And then also our um, promo code is underdog. Right, that's available until August thirty first. Twenty percent off. Twenty percent off. Boom. Also, you have enough time still left in a couple of days to, to buy, buy all your of the blue shirts. Blue shirts. You blue. Look at that blue. Blue. Disgusting. You want to walk oh around God, in a red shirt and stand blue. out like that? How red, horrible that red would be. Makes guys look good, man. Blue, blue, all blue, baby, <laughs> all blue. So we're doing a contest. Uh, we, John and I, will sign a shirt for whoever um, we pick out of the emails. 
Uh, so make sure you register with your email, which I believe they have to, correct? When they pitch it, when they pick up a shirt. Yeah, use the correct email, please. Yes, use the correct email so we can email you and get this thing sent off to you guys. So we will pick a random email um, from a winner. So if John wins, which I doubt he will, okay, then we will Ooh. pick someone who bought a John shirt from a random email. And then also if I, I win. I got to tell you how concerned I am about you, this. You Very should, concerned. Should be, should be. <laughs> If you own one of these t-shirts already, check your inbox for uh, an email from weighing in. Um, it might be in your junk folder, so just check there because I, uh, I got a bunch of you guys that emailed back already, but some of you didn't. So um, just email back with your fan question and we'll get it on the show at some point. And then we had this fan question thing tonight, right? Which was the VIT, okay? <laughs> which is VIT, not VIP, but yeah, VIT for if you bought a t-shirt and you used your email. Dave will be in contact with you guys. You guys can email in uh, your fan questions and you guys will get priority over the fan questions that we answer first. So um, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Go to YouTube, hit the thumbs up. That shares our videos. Our numbers are growing and we owe it all to you as well as all the other platforms, YouTube, SoundCloud, Google Play, everything you can think of because our audio platforms, we want to get up as well. You guys can listen to, listen to us in the car and traffic, whatever it is on the road trips. Visiting family, Labor Day weekend's coming up. Maybe you can listen to us while you guys are in the car there as well. So we hope you guys enjoyed our show and we will see you guys next week. What do you think, John? Sounds good to me, brother. Right, Everyone. Man. See you guys Bye -bye. later. Bye.